the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Well, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. Glad to have you with us this Friday. Uh, Clark Hilton is engineering today's program. James Blind is producing. Now, today on the program, we are going to um, offer a review of the movie in theaters today, Paul, Servant of Christ. Earlier in the day, James Blind and I, uh, with the full knowledge and consent of our respective spouses, uh, went to see Paul, Servant of Christ. We're going to offer a, a review of the film. Little hint. I loved it. Uh, also, um, I guess that's everything I need to announce. Yeah, that's all that I need to announce. Well, today has been another roller coaster day in Washington. Thankfully, Washington is not the hub of all of uh, creation. But as you might recall, the Senate in the wee, wee hours of uh, yesterday, they passed a $1.3 trillion spending bill uh, that uh, failure to do so would have risked a government shutdown, which is an overstatement of what happens when they don't pass a spending bill. And by the way, Congress gave itself a bonus in that omnibus uh, budget, the spending bill. And they wrote another little provision in there saying that they're not going to do this again for another year. So you might think this is only for the next six months, but it's really for about the next year and a half. So any of the uh, issues that were not resolved in this spending bill are not going to be resolved for quite some time, which shouldn't be altogether surprising since they didn't resolve them in this one. So anyway, this trillion dollar spending bill really exemplifies the dysfunction in government. You're talking about 2,200 pages and about a thousand minutes for the House to read the thing. Uh, The president President in uh, first threatening to veto the bill and then signing it with an asterisk by it, uh, made the point that uh, he will never do it again and that nobody knows what's in it, which I assume means he didn't know either. Anyway, the spending bill doesn't have a lot of stuff in it that he had promised, um, including money for the wall or DACA. Uh, That's just the short list. We talked uh, earlier about some of the stuff that's not in it. But anyway, that has now been signed into law, and they won't have to trouble themselves with trying to do the people's business in this area for another about year and a half. So good for them, not so good for us. And I hope they enjoy the, uh, the bonus that they gave themselves in the midst of all of this. One other thing I wanted to mention just broke my heart. The 16-year-old girl who was critically injured in a shooting at the um, Maryland High School earlier this week uh, by her, um, what was he, 15 or 17-year-old former boyfriend, she apparently has died. The St. Mary's County Sheriff's Office announced today that Jalen Willie, she died this this morning at 1134 Eastern Time. She was surrounded by her family, who apparently had taken her off of life support. They had announced on Thursday night that their daughter was brain dead and would uh, be taken off of life support at the University of Maryland Prince George's Hospital uh, Center. Uh, She was shot by, here it is, 17-year-old Austin Rollins, um, with whom she at some point had a friendship or a relationship. Uh, She was shot in the head by that 17-year-old. Investigators said that um, uh, they had recently ended a relationship and the shooting was not random. So uh, he didn't survive the event, and now the person he was targeting has not survived 
uh, either. The world is full of sad and tragic events that occur virtually every moment. Uh, Further evidence of um, the sin nature of humankind and the havoc we can wreak when we uh, follow our own instincts. I received something in the mail um, just yesterday, and I thought it was rather peculiar. In fact, I didn't even show this to you, Clark. This is really odd. But I noticed that my name was written in big letters on the front, and it said, Introducing the Georgine Rice handbag, personalized with your initials, meaning, of course, my initials. It was addressed to me at my home, and they were offering the Danbury Mint um, handbag personalized with my initials. So not only would there be a little old brass um, tag on it that's had my name engraved, but throughout the purse, this brown purse, which, by the way, would go quite nicely with my brown umbrella that doesn't work, um, it's, it says Georgine Rice, G-R, the initials all over the fabric of the purse, and then a big brass, um, I'm not sure what it is, it's just a, an attractive accessory, uh, with my name on it, a designer handbag custom-made for me. This handbag is custom-made especially for you. I don't know how they're making their money since this is made especially for me and no one else will have one like it. Uh, With an elegant pattern of your initials on the front and side, this one-of-a-kind handbag features your own personal design. Beautifully crafted of supple faux leather. It's not just faux leather. It is supple faux leather, which makes all the difference. This satchel-style bag's rich espresso body and caramel-colored hand, uh, handles reflects your impeccable style and personality. And I don't know if they're saying that because I am espresso-colored, uh, but this is a personalized bag that apparently reflects who I am, although it's faux leather. Supple, but faux leather. The fully lined interior features multiple pockets for organizing belongings and a zipper closure for added security. Because you know that zipper, once you've closed that zipper, there's no one that can get into that bag. It's like Fort Knox. When you do that zipper, that's your security, the zipper. At least that's what I'm catching here. You zip it up, nobody, you know, there's, there's a chance that I wouldn't be able to get back into the bag. So there's full security. The detachable, adjustable shoulder strap provides extra versatility. Wow. I suppose in a flood, you could use it as a flotation device. It's just that flexible. And versatile. A free detachable keychain features your name. Oh, that's what it is. It's a keychain. It features my name. It's the perfect finishing touch. Yours for just $139. Well, I was going to suggest that, uh, Clark, you pick this up for my birthday. But I'm thinking you're not going to spend $139 plus $9.80 shipping and handling. Oh, excuse me, shipping and service. This bag is of uh, high caliber, so it, it's, uh, it's not just going to be handled. It's going to be serviced. So it's $9.80 shipping and service, payable in four monthly, well, you might be able to pull that off, four monthly installments. You don't really need to send your daughter to college, do you? Four monthly installments of $37.20. Satisfaction is guaranteed order today. I don't know. I was just so flattered by this. You didn't get one. No, you didn't, because this is a personalized bag. It's the Georgine Rice handbag, a designer handbag custom made for me. Wow. Anyway, I wanted to share that with you. Came in the mail yesterday with my name in big letters, all caps, the Georgine Rice handbag. I must really be something. They're making a handbag about me. Now, before today's program ends, um, I've asked Clark Hilton to bring his ukulele today. Now, he's had it for two weeks or a week and a half, two weeks. 
he's been working on it, and uh, so we're gonna we're gonna give him an opportunity to play a little something on the ukulele. I had to look up how to spell ukulele. That's how far removed I am from the instrument, but I did look it up. I spelled it correctly, and we're going to hear a little something from uh, Clark before the uh, the program ends. So I hope you're warmed up and your strings are in tune and all of that. So. We'll get into that. Also, uh, earlier today, James Blind and I, James Blind being, of course, the program's producer, made our way to the theater to watch Paul's Servant of Christ. A bit skeptical. I mean, after all, Hollywood rarely gets the stories in the Bible uh, right. Um, so we went with some uh, level of skepticism. And up next, we're going to share our review of the film in theaters today. So stay with us. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, good afternoon and welcome back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show, brought to you in part today by Liberty Coin and Currency. Well, as promised, James Blind and I, we crept away from the station with our spouse's permission, lest we receive emails uh, questioning that, um, to watch Paul, Servant of Christ, the movie. And we wanted to provide for you a reliable uh, review of the movie based on our single viewing just a couple of hours ago. And so James is with me in studio uh, to help me recall the, uh, some of the details of the movie and to share with you what our impressions were. I think one of the things that I've uh, mentioned here probably many times is my skepticism over a film that is purported to represent the character of Christ or someone in the scriptures. And Paul just... Um, Beneath Christ has the most influence in the Gospels, certainly in terms of the the epistles and the writing of the Bible, the New Testament. Um, So I was a little skeptical when we went into this whole thing. And I'll start with you, James, and give you an opportunity to share your impression of Paul, Apostle of Christ. Yeah, I think, you know, it's it's funny because you you have a lot of faith-based movies, which have wonderful intentions and oftentimes are fun to watch. But cinematically speaking, may not be up to their uh, Hollywood compatriots. So I sometimes go in a little bit more skeptical than I ought to. And then you have a movie like uh, when The Passion of the Christ came out 14 years ago now um, that kind of sets the bar so high that it makes it really hard for another film to come near it. This one comes close. This is probably the best one I've seen since that time. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think the fact that they share a star in Jim Caviezel is, is entirely coincidental, but, um, the, uh, it, cause that could have been one of the biggest strikes against Paul, uh, when you have you know, Paul, the movie, Paul, the movie, Just... correct. Yes. I, I, I'm not, I'm not attacking an apostle on air. That's not my intent. Uh, but when you have, uh, Jim Caviezel playing Luke in one movie and, and obviously Christ in another, uh, the comparisons are, are are automatic, and that could be a detriment. If you're watching Luke and you can't not think of his portrayal of Christ, you've done your movie a disservice. But I didn't feel that way at all. I thought it was wonderfully acted. The cinematography was beautiful. I thought it was well written, uh, well paced. I, mean, I think it you know it, it's a slow movie, but it's intentionally so. It's not it's not the quote unquote that the plot is dragging. It's uh it it is done in a way that's reverent, respectful. And to an extent, 
within reason creative to the to the uh, topic. I would add to that. Um, my impression was that the movie was extraordinary. I didn't expect that I was going to be weeping at any point during the movie, but I was very moved by several different elements. We'll get into that maybe in just a few moments. But I would agree. I thought the film was very well done. I had spoken to someone who had the opportunity to preview it some weeks ago before it was in theaters, and her comment was, you know, it's a bit slow. And so I was anticipating that the pacing might be a little bit bit uh, too slow. But I think with the the telling of this story, and this is uh, the story of Paul in his latter years, this is his final imprisonment in Rome. He's visited by Luke in the film. I think the pacing was uh, was just about right. It because, was appropriate. It was appropriate. Uh, yeah, there, uh, Paul is a, a key figure. You've got Luke, who's a key figure, Priscilla and Aquila, and the early church in Rome. Uh, this is under Nero, and as you might recall from Scripture, this is a season in which believers were being heavily persecuted. It was Un, uh, not at all uncommon for them to light Nero's entertainments, and there were some uh, some graphic but not gratuitous images of believers being used as torches. Uh, there was the circus, which is when uh, Nero would send the Christians out, and the the wild animals would would rip them to shreds. And there were other ways that they were killed. And so it's in that context that all of this takes place. I think it was tastefully done so that none of that was uh, was over the line. There are a few bloody scenes as. Paul reflects back on his early years. He, in this movie, is the persecuted, but he reflects back on having been the persecutor. And uh, you get a glimpse into the things that Paul would have lamented over, uh, even as he has, over a period of more than 30 years, played a a major role in shaping the church following the resurrection of Jesus. I thought the movie was extraordinary. Absolutely. And I think, you know, you talk about the graphicness of some scenes. I think that, uh, you know, I think... One of the common uh, complaints of those who saw the Passion of the Christ, if there were, you know, besides, uh, you know, the the you know the good things that they said, one of the things that people were disturbed by, I think, was, was some of the violence in the movie, uh, which you know was you know portraying biblically what happened to Christ. But uh, in this, if for those who felt that was overplayed in that the, that movie, I really feel like it was underplayed to an extent. It's very much left to your imagination what happened in certain mm-hmm. things, like. Um, you you can go in there not expecting. I mean, I don't want to give away spoilers about the movie, but you don't have to worry about seeing somebody torn apart by a wild animal. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to go in there being concerned to take you know a child in there to you know not. It's probably not a movie for children, children, but you know a teenager or something like that that can maturely handle the topic and isn't looking for an action movie. Uh, you know, can definitely uh can definitely handle it emotionally, and and there's not going to be scenes that I would consider traumatic in there. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, seeing Paul in his old age, of course, he's he's bald-headed. We read about that in Scripture. Um, I uh, was so taken by the film, and we saw it so recently. It was just a couple of hours ago. I wanted to look for others' reviews that I thought would be reliable to help us um, to think about maybe some of the things that might have been done differently. And so I found a review that I thought was uh, uh, very reliable. Um, Patrick Schreiner, who teaches New Testament and Greek at Western Seminary right here in Portland, blogs for Ad Fontes. And um, he wrote a, a review of the film. And I wanted to share some of that with you because I think it helps me anyway, because I was so taken and moved personally by the film that I may have forgotten some of the things that I would otherwise mention to an audience who's thinking about seeing the film. Uh, but he, he makes a really important point. He writes, some are faith, referring to um, faith-based films or biblical movies. Some are faithful, but abysmally made. Others are less faithful, faithful rather, but artistically effective. And I thought this was 
um, faithful and artistically effective. That's a rare combination with faith-based films. But then he goes on to write, filmmakers who adapt biblical material must be clear on what their purpose is and how to get their point across. They can't cover it all, nor can they just fling scriptural words on screen and hope they stick. They must cut, rearrange, adapt for effect. Uh, It's a risky endeavor, to be sure, but one that can reap rewards if it moves audiences to discover or rediscover the Bible. And I think this uh, had to do some of that, but I think it also helped people to appreciate the Apostle Paul and the events surrounding that period in his uh, service to Christ and this uh, second imprisonment. Yeah, I th- I think, you know, it's one of those that, especially when you're dealing with movies that are set in a, in a biblical time frame, uh, whether Old Testament, New Testament, etc., that uh, I think it really has to work harder to place you there mm-hmm. uh, and to to be in that scenario, to kind of become, you know, kind of, you know, we, we look at movies, e- even those that are faith-based, of somewhat of escapism to an extent, uh, even though some of the, some of the analogies and, and uh, whatnot are very relevant to today's world. Uh, I felt like I was in, in that time period. I was in the movie. I was with following it. And I feel like, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, well, I want to, now I want to go back. It's been a little while since I've read through that, you know, Acts of the Apostles. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to go back and reread it. I'd like to pick up a Bible study on it and and, uh, and, yeah. and study through it because it's been a little while and it's like, every once in a while you, you just kind of have, even as a believer who's believed for many decades, um, it's kind of, a, oh yeah, that is an amazing story. And I... I hadn't forgotten about it. I just hadn't thought of it in a very long time. Yeah, there's so and much this, in Scripture. And there's just a world of appreciation for that story. And just, yeah, it it leaves you wanting more. I, I expected that in this movie, I my attention would be focused on the Apostle Paul, and I would appreciate... Uh, his faithfulness and his words, but I w- didn't expect that I would be drawn so much to the early believers whose names we never know, but who are responsible in Rome uh, for the spread of the gospel. These were men and women and children under tremendous pressure. Many of them uh, were persecuted to death. Many of them were persecuted and uh, deprived of their livelihoods and their ability to thrive. I was drawn to them. And then, of course, uh, Luke, um, one of the uh, uh, Paul's companions, I was drawn to uh, to him as well. But it, it really, I think the context of the film helped me to appreciate the early church more. And that was surprising to me in a movie that focuses primarily on the Apostle Paul. And it, it uh, I agree 100%. I mean, it definitely, you know, we talk a lot about the persecuted church in, in modern times and a lot of the, the modern issues that they face. But to realize that these images, the, these things that they're going through, the persecuted church around the world are going through, are centuries old. Yeah. From the very beginnings of the church. From the very beginning. And as they, as uh, Luke and Paul both talk about the persecution of the church, they remind their hearers, which by extension us, that Jesus himself said, this is what we should expect. Now we need to take a quick break, but we're going to continue our conversation. Again, James and I earlier today had the opportunity to sit down and view Paul, Apostle of Christ. It opened in theaters today. I'm not sure how many screens. Maybe we can find that out when we return. But we're going to take a quick break and be back in a moment. Again, you're listening. Listening to the Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. 
is aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show on this fun Friday afternoon. Today, James is in studio with me to talk about our uh, our outing earlier today, our field trip. We went to a local theater and saw Paul, Apostle of Christ. I think both of us went with a healthy dose of skepticism, concerned about whether or not the film would reflect what the scriptures teach, how much uh, editorial license and artistic uh, license would be taken, whether or not this would be artistically um, uh, well done. And um, having seen the movie, I think both of us gave it a thumbs up. Um, I would give it five stars if you can use that kind of a superficial thing. Also, I felt I was so moved by the movie. In fact, I cried on several points uh, throughout uh, that I, I feared that I wouldn't be able to give a reliable um, critique of the movie. So I actually consulted um, a Patrick Schreiner, who teaches New Testament and Greek at Western Seminary right here in Portland, and he blogs for Ad Fontes. And so I downloaded one of his um, reviews of the movie. I want to share a little bit of that uh, as well, just to give us perhaps a more balanced um, uh, review of the of the movie. Now, do you know how many screens this uh, movie is on this weekend? It's just under 1,500 screens. And to give you an idea, the uh, top... Opening as far as screen wise, Pacific Rim Uprising is on 3,700. So ah. it's just a little under half of those screens. Um, and, and last week's big surprise, um, I can only imagine, which was on, I think, about 1,700 yes. screens, actually expands out to t- about 2,300 this week. I, I think I, for those of you who've just joined us, if you're thinking about movies during this uh, Holy Week, during Easter week, I would highly recommend Paul, Apostle for Christ, Apostle of Christ, as one of the best movies I've seen that's a, a biblical movie. Uh, certainly of my generation, uh, some of the earlier movies I thought were much better done. They were more uh, respectful and reverent of the theme. But uh, Paul, Apostle of Christ, was surprisingly um, well done from my perspective. Yeah, I, I, I literally do. I mean, it's, it's, it's the number two behind me for behind the passion of the Christ. Uh, just, and, and quite honestly, despite the fact it covers some very heavy topics, it probably is a little bit more, um, susceptible for me for, for repeat viewings. Um, I, just because the passion of the Christ is a tough rewatch. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. I bring it out this time of year yes. intending I'm going to watch this again. And I, I haven't yet. Every year, my wife and I are like, well, we're going to watch this on Good Friday. We're going to watch this on Good Friday. It's just appropriate. We should watch this on Good Friday. In 13 years or so, we've owned it, and I think we've done it once. Yeah, I may have done it once, but it's it's a very difficult it's, it's, a film it's to watch. It's just difficult. I mean, it's so powerful, but it is it is a tough, tough watch. Well, as I mentioned, uh, James and I went earlier today to watch the film with the 11 o'clock showing. This is opening uh, night. So if you're planning on seeing a movie, it's it would be a great boost if you go this weekend. But um, having been so moved and impressed by the movie, I thought it was important to look for some other source for a review as well. Patrick Schreiner, who teaches New Testament and Greek at Western Seminary here in Portland and also blogs, he wrote a review of the film, and I thought he had some brilliant things to say about it that... Um, or perhaps a bit more objective than my emotional response to it. He makes the point, rightly, that besides Jesus, the Apostle Paul is the most famous person in both the New Testament and the subsequent history of Christianity. Uh, He writes that Paul, Apostle of Christ, focuses on the end of Paul's life. It showcases his limitations. Uh, It doesn't illustrate Paul's vigor, but rather his feebleness and pain. And when he says feebleness, that's a physical feebleness rather than his uh, inability to, uh, to... 
uh, comprehend. He is an old man uh, who can barely stand up straight, and that is the result of his multiple beatings. Uh, There are periodic flashbacks that illustrate episodes from the Apostle's earlier life, and that includes his persecution of other Christians, which causes him deep regret. Um, He knows he's the worst of sinners, doesn't deserve the mercy of of the Savior. And watching that in the context of his latter years, as they uh, present the two, juxtapose them in the movie, it made you appreciate perhaps some of what fueled um, Paul's thinking in that area, seeing himself as the worst of sinners, the persecutor of believers prior to uh, him being apprehended following his uh, journey on the road to Damascus. Uh, He goes on, the movie interweaves three storylines. Paul, who is played by James Faulkner, who does a superb job. He's imprisoned in Rome in AD 67. Nero accuses him and other Christians of burning Rome. There's Luke, played by Jim Caviezel, who comes to visit the imprisoned apostle and later recounts Paul's life in the writings of Acts. And the second storyline concerns Luke and Paul's relationship with uh, the Roman guard over the prison. Finally, the movie pairs Paul's suffering with the Christian community in Rome, led by Priscilla and Aquila, who are hiding in um, uh, under a threat of persecution. And those three storylines play out simultaneously, and I think they did an excellent job of weaving them together. Uh, the the uh, film, Paul, Apostle of Christ, centers on the hope-filled suffering of early Christians. It shows Paul and other Christians refusing to retaliate in the face of persecution, which I thought was very instructive for us here in the 21st century. Uh, they choose to love their enemies and pray for their persecutors. In many ways, this is the movie's most powerful message. It's presented as a uh, Christians rather are in Christianity. The way as it's referred to is presented as a minority movement uh, movement under uh, duress. And the one question that he asks that I think is really important, and I didn't catch this because I'm not a, uh, a scholar, is Paul, Apostle of Christ, historically accurate? And again, quoting from Western professor Patrick Schreiner, he points out that we should also note that the film focuses on a stage of Paul's life about which we have little information. Timothy is our only source for Paul's life at that stage, and Paul makes only a few veiled comments about himself. So some creative license is taken here. We do know that Paul was imprisoned in Rome twice, once on house arrest in A.D. 62, and then likely martyred in his second imprisonment, A.D. 64-67, under um, Nero. And this is the the period that this this film... Uh, covers. We also know that Nero blamed the Christians for burning for the burning of Rome, and Luke was indeed uh, a travel companion of Paul. Paul explicitly says Luke is with him in Second Timothy four eleven. It's likely that Luke wrote Acts earlier, however, since he doesn't mention Paul's second Roman imprisonment nor the Neroian uh, persecution. It's possible Acts was written later, A.D. seventy, uh, which would line up with the film. But there's no evidence Luke traveled to Rome to get the story chronicled in Acts. It's also unlikely, he writes, that Priscilla and Aquila would have been in Rome at the time. They are from Italy. Paul meets them in Corinth, and he brings them uh, with him to Syria. When Paul writes to Rome, he says um, uh, to greet them, but also he says uh, the same in 2 Timothy 4.19. Timothy is in Ephesus, therefore Priscilla and Aquila must have been in Ephesus too. So again, some creative license, although there are questions as to um, which of the... uh, uh, whether or not I should say uh, Luke was with Paul in this second time around and when he actually authored the book. Uh, finally, he asks uh, whether or not the film was successful. And again, I'm 
uh, looking at the review from Patrick Schreiner, teacher, uh, professor at of New Testament and uh, Greek at Western Seminary. He writes, the film successfully shows the suffering, non-retaliating community of Christians in Rome, including a few powerful scenes. Artistically, the film does not feel like a low-budget Christian film. The photographic use of light and dark is particularly effective. And I thought the end of the film was uh, was stunning, in which Paul, who is... Um, led to his place of execution, uh, he voiceover um, at, at, during this time um, is a, a quotation of scripture to Timothy that I thought was very effective. Yeah, it, it's not surprising, obviously, based on you know the, the historical knowledge that there's creative license. But I did, there's been so much creative license used in quote-unquote biblical movies, especially in the past decade, including some that you and I have gone to see. Yeah. Uh, that to to take some license, to take some creativity, but to keep it within the realm of what is truly applicable to the Scripture is far better than um, just deciding to make your own agenda with it. Well, and the story the storyline is true to Scripture. The timing and the personnel might have been slightly different, but I think it is true to the the spirit, if not the letter of uh, of Scripture in terms of the events that took place at the end of Paul's life, what was going on in the uh, the early church at that time, what was happening in Rome, and the legacy that they left for us. The film also focuses on, on the persecution of the church, which is as relevant today as it was then, and it not only reminds us and made me feel more grateful for their faithfulness and willingness to stand firm in the face of significant pressure, but it also reminded me to pray more uh, diligently for those who are suffering at this very moment for their Christian faith and to resolve to do the same should pressures continue in in our culture. Yeah, absolutely. There are many lessons that we can learn from. I mean, it's always lessons we can learn from the past, but um, certainly as as believers, um, there are lessons that we can learn from the early church repeatedly. Yeah. And this is one of them. Paul, Servant of Christ, two thumbs up. Uh, great film, would highly recommend it if you have the opportunity to see a film. I know I'm going to add it to my library. Hey, James, thanks so much for going with me to the film and for taking the time to help yeah, me review. I, I wouldn't say it was fun, but it was an enjoyable time. Yeah, yeah. All right. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We'll be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back 49 minutes after four o'clock. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. At least I hope you are. You know, we live in a very litigious society and it can extend into areas that one might not expect. And apparently the sheriff's office in Pennsylvania is now accusing Puxatawney Phil of deception, uh, accusing of having uh, accusing him rather of having misled the public. Well, Puxatawney Phil is a wanted groundhog. Pennsylvania Sheriff's Office has put up a wanted poster for the groundhog. The handlers of the uh, creature last month said the furry rodent called for six more weeks of winter after seeing his shadow. The Monroe County Sheriff's Office says that expired last week. Yet a spring storm brought new snow to the northeast on Wednesday and Thursday. And they're not happy. Corporal Scott Martin tells WBRE-TV he created the poster and placed it on the wanted wall because he's sick of the snow in the spring. Didn't like it much in the winter, but in the spring, intolerable. The poster claims Phil is wanted for deception. Phil is described as having brown and gray hair, brown eyes, sharp teeth. Uh, Records dating to 1887 show Phil has predicted more winter 103 times while forecasting an early spring, just 18 times. And he apparently got it wrong 
this time. So Puxatani Phil, if you happen to see him, he is uh, he's wanted. I don't think he had any idea what was going to happen in the Northeast this last month. He had no idea month. what was going on. Yeah. <laughs> Why are all these Why people Why did you here? wake me up? <laughs> exactly. Well, an Austrian man faces 160 euro fine, that's $197 roughly, for describing police officers as Smurfs in a warning about speed checks posted on Facebook. Apparently, you are not disrespectful to law enforcement in Austria. The Austrian ple- uh, press, rather, they reported Tuesday that authorities in Triol province imposed a fine on the man whose name wasn't released for violating public decency by defaming two police officers. Imagine that public decency actually means something there. The man's post in a Facebook group alerted others to two Smurfs, in quotes, standing with lasers on a local highway. A police officer who was also in the group filed a complaint. So apparently he was offended. The local, um, let's see, Tirolager newspaper, or something very like that, reported that the man uh, maintains the term Smurfs was meant to be a harmless joke rather than an insult and plans to defend himself at regional police headquarters. Surrounded by Smurfs. Smurfs. Mm-hmm. Wow, if that's the, if that is as bad as it gets in Austria, that's pretty good. It's a beautiful day to honor Mr. Rogers with a postage stamp, and that is precisely what the U.S. Postal Service is doing, releasing a stamp featuring Fred Rogers, the gentle TV host who entertained and educated generations of preschoolers on Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. You know, I never once saw that program. Really? For one thing, I was much older, so I wasn't in preschool at the time. Oh, he was that's, popular, yeah. and I didn't have children in the home, so it makes sense. I mean, I know who he was. I'd seen little you know, clips of him, but I've never you know, uh, seen a whole show. a nice man. Yeah. It is a forever stamp. It goes on sale today. It pictures Mr. Rogers in his trademark cardigan, along with uh, King Friday, a puppet character from the show's neighborhood of make-believe. Postal officials are holding a dedication ceremony at the Pittsburgh studio where Rogers filmed the beloved PBS show, which aired from 1968 to 2001. He died in 2003 at the age of 74. Among those planning to attend, and that's past tense now, attend the ceremony are Rogers' widow and uh, David Newell, who played Mr. McFeely, the delivery man on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. So uh, I was talking to James uh, earlier today, and apparently the documentary on yeah, his life. Or maybe I, I was talking too. to you. Have no, you seen no. It? He, yeah. he told me about it. He has seen it. He said it was really very moving. Oh. And there's a movie that's uh, coming oh. out with Tom Hanks at some point in the yeah. not-too-distant future. So I'll catch up with Mr. Rogers at some point. But imagine a mild-mannered, simple, kind man having that kind of an impact on generations of children. I'm not sure I'd use the word simple. I'd say he was... Well, I just meant the program was very simple. Yeah. It wasn't sophisticated. Yeah. It, it, no, I'm not suggesting he was yeah. simple-minded. I, it was just a very simple presentation of profound yeah. truths that kids could understand and comprehend and enjoy. And it was just amazing. He changed a lot of lives. Absolutely. He had a real impact. Yeah. Well, a Pennsylvania couple who wanted their co-workers to be able to attend their wedding held the ceremony in the garden center of their Walmart. What better way to include your co-workers? The pair who met in September um, when they started, one of them started working as a manager at the West Manchester Township Walmart, where the other was an employee, said they realized they were, uh, when they started planning their wedding in December, that some of the co-workers would have to miss the ceremony because the store is open 24 hours a day. 
The couple executed their solution on Saturday, holding their wedding in the Walmart Garden Center, surrounded by their co-workers, friends and family, who apparently left the register unattended. And thankfully, there were no robberies at the time. We both have a lot of really close <laughs> friends that we can uh, that we call family in our Walmart store. Uh, we discussed it with the store manager and the home office so that everybody in the store, everyone uh, that we share our lives with can be part of the wedding. So I don't know if there was cake and punch because, you know, you'd really have to have cake at a wedding. And that's one of the joys of being invited. There were some customers that were <laughs> yes. <laughs> were going everybody around. looks forward to the cake when it's a I wedding. I actually do. I hate to admit that publicly, but I actually I, no, I ask that, ahead of time. Okay, do you know but, what uh, kind of cake they're having? But but that's that's your thing. It's like I'm not so interested in this couple. Oh no, sharing vows. I, I'm much more interested in I, the buttercream frosting. I might love be at people our, and oh, and sharing in their meaningful moments it's what makes my heart beat yeah and and but who the are cake you afterward <laughs> oh that makes it Georgine's race. a wedding crasher for the cake <laughs> just the cake i have to admit there's something about wedding cake it's it's a cut above just regular cake i mean i can go home and make a pillsbury dried out old cake with some frosting but a wedding cake someone spent considerable money and time on that and they come in in little pieces and you have to savor it oh there's something about wedding cake that's because it's so expensive yeah it Just is expensive. Better. <laughs> it is. We had to have well, two cakes at our wedding. One was a regular wedding cake that normal people would have, and then we had to have one that was sugar free oh. because Dan at the time was not consuming sugar of any kind. Oh. And so we had a groom's cake that was sugar free. I never I, quite understood it. But. I know with ours, we had two. We had the wedding cake, and mm-hmm. then we had what everybody actually ate, which was the sheet cake. Yeah. I think the groom's cake was like a sheet cake, but it was yeah. um, it was from Nature's when that was a popular store here, and it was mm. sugar-free. I didn't bother to taste it because I yeah. thought, Why if bother? you're not going to put sugar in it, first of all, is it actually cake? That was my first question. I mean, now there's lots more that you can do sugar-free. Then it weighed a ton, yeah. and it was heavy, and it just, yeah. mm. Anyway, the other <laughs> thing was, he and I never made it down to the reception to have any cake. Really? Our photographer was very slow. And my goodness, I guess he was. Yeah, so we never it takes a while had to it. go through two cakes. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm not bitter about it. Mm. How many years has it been? It'll be 36 in May. Yeah. 36. You know, I'm going to suggest we order cake. Yeah, a, a big one. <laughs> yeah, but not the sugar-free kind. No. Can I have some of it too? Absolutely, right. absolutely. Let's see. Married couples everywhere now uh, <laughs> will be marking their calendar after a Florida woman was arrested for repeatedly attacking her husband. For forgetting their wedding anniversary. What's the crime here? That's what I want to know. What is the crime? Carol Stone is 35. She was arrested on Wednesday by the Pasco Sheriff's Office after allegedly smacking the victim multiple times on his head and face after the victim, her husband, admitted to forgetting their anniversary. This seems like justifiable hit aside to me. <laughs> I'm going to go home tonight and ask Dan Rice, when's our anniversary again? Wow. According to police, the husband recorded the incident with his cell phone. Well, he couldn't have been all that hurt if he actually took yeah. pictures. And it turned it, uh, he turned that over to police. Stone can be seen in the video striking the man. Stone later confirmed to police that she did attack her husband because he forgot that special day. Her arrest report says she was charged with domestic battery, a misdemeanor charge. The Pasco Sheriff's Office shared a post um, the day after Stone's arrest offering help for those who are victims of domestic abuse. I would offer help for those who are victims of forgetting their anniversary. <laughs> I mean, I, domestic abuse is not comical, but in this case, she hit him upside the head. 
I think, though, the fact that he called police, first of all, he forgot the anniversary. She loses it, hits him upside the head. He calls police. I think their problems are bigger than the date they were married. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, what's your uh, wedding date? May 13th. All right. May 8th. So we're good. Yeah. Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg has declared a ruling on the uh, white hot issue of, well, hot dogs, announcing that hot dogs are indeed sandwiches. Who knew? (laughs) The octogenarian made her decision on the late show with Stephen Colbert on the 21st. I was told not to ask her about any pending cases before the court, but I just had to ask her about one of the most divisive cases, one of the most divisive issues facing our country today, Colbert said, but he evidently couldn't resist. Is the hot dog a sandwich? He asked Um, the long serving justice Ginsburg in one in a one to one interview. You tell me what a sandwich is, and then I'll tell you if a hot dog is a sandwich, she tactfully replied. Colbert then describes a sandwich as two pieces of bread with uh, almost any type of filling in between, as long as it's not more bread, uh, to which Justice um, Ginsburg uh, pressed. You said two pieces of bread. Does that include a roll that's cut open but still not completely free? Well, you got the uh, the answer eventually. Um, she came to the conclusion that it could be attached at one end and a hot dog could be placed in the middle, making it a sandwich. I wish all our disagreements could uh, be resolved so easily. We've got news and traffic coming up here at the top of the hour, but the good news is we'll be back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the second hour of the Georgine Rice Show. Clark Hilton is engineering today's program. James Blinn is producing. Um, earlier in the program, the first hour we shared, that's uh, James and I, an, a review of Paul's Servant of Christ. We went and saw the movie earlier today. And for those of you who join us in the five o'clock hour, we wanted to share that with you primarily because, spoiler alert, it was a great movie. And uh, I would highly recommend it. It opens in theaters today, and uh, which we saw earlier today. Um, great, great movie. Anyway, we uh, offer a review, and uh, so we'll share that with you later in the program. So if you uh, want to know about how this one measures up, uh, we'll talk about it. Now, last week, um, we announced that, Clark, you had, <laughs> uh, had uh, purchased a ukulele and had started playing, and I challenged you to bring the thing with you today. And you did. I did. Can you hear it okay? I can hear it great. Yeah. So I've got a little concert ukulele. And I appreciate your um, describing it because it's not one of those little things you buy in the novelty store when you're in right. Hawaii. This is yeah. a real instrument. It looks like a beautiful guitar, only Very miniature. Small. <laughs> it's for little kids and Clark. <laughs> so, <laughs> so how often are you playing this thing that you're confident enough to play something for us today? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, first of all, I'm going to take real lessons. I'm planning to start that in May. Just, mm-hmm. That's can't really get going in April. May is the best time. Uh, but I don't want to not play it until then. So I've just looked at a few things online. I found uh, a ukulele um, instrumentalist and teacher, online teacher, who does some tutorials. <clears throat> There's a lot of stuff out there, but she's really good. Mm-hmm. And so I've Picked up a few things just watching her and hoping that as long as I don't do too much, I'm not going to learn a lot of bad habits that I'll have to unlearn with yeah. real lessons. But uh, I think, you know, she's at least got the fingering correct and everything else. So, yeah, so I've just uh, usually play after everybody's gone to bed at night. And- Although when you do play and your daughter is up, oh. she loves to hear it. 
She does. She's enjoyed it. She wants to play along, too, which means she wants to try to pull the strings off of the <laughs> ukulele. But um, she did come up to me. She loves the, the song Three Little Birds, mm-hmm. which is three chords, and I can play that. So Three Little Chords um, is maybe Three Little name. Chords, yeah. Uh, but I played it the other night, and I said, well, what do you think of that? And she comes up and hugs my leg, and she said, I like the music you make, Daddy. Oh, that was really sweet. Of course, yeah. of course, she. If I played a bunch of wrong notes, it would be fine too with her. You know, <laughs> she's that age. Daddy's a hero, right? Yeah, so. yeah. But yeah. So anyway, I play. I always say it'll just be about fifteen minutes before I go to bed. It ends up being about forty-five. So I play quite a bit. So you're fun. enjoying it. Yeah, I really am. So, um, our engineer here. Yeah. Uh, his dad runs, or at least has for the last couple of years, the uh, West Sound uh, Ukulele Festival up in Bremerton, Washington. And so Garrett has, his dad had sev- something like 70 ukuleles at his house, oh a goodness. room full of them. Garrett took a bunch and he gave me one that he had played for a while. And he's like, yeah, all right, why don't you uh, go ahead and play with this? So he also plays the ukulele? Yes. I did not know that. So will you go to the festival this year? No. <laughs> <laughs> No, I won't. But uh, no, I've discovered that there's a lot of people in here it, here at work who play the ukulele. There's about five of us. Maybe you could learn something at of. Christmas and we could have an orchestra of ukuleles. I've heard things like that. They can be a little funky sounding. <laughs> All so, the better. So yeah. you're going to play three you little me, chords. You want me to, yeah, you want me to play the three little chords <laughs> yeah. that my daughter likes? The problem is I guess I have to sing too, which... I can't really uh, promise that's going to sound a whole lot better. Go for it. All right. Don't worry about a thing Cause every little thing is gonna be all right Singing don't worry about a thing Cause every little thing Woo! gonna be all right rise up this more rise up this morning sorry about that smiled with the rising sun three little cords (laughs) perched by my doorstep singing their sweet songs of melodies pure and true singing this is my message to you. How's that? Oh, I love it. And that's only, you've only had it for two weeks. Yeah. I'm impressed to play and sing. That's not easy. No, it's not. Well, I took you up, or you took me up on my uh, bet to bring it in. You did I did, it, and I did. You, it. Uh, you did a great job. Thanks. So at Christmas time, I'll learn Meli Kalikimaka. I am going to play that. Okay, Meli, whatever it is. You play that, and we'll do a little concert. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, the chord changes are still a little bit rough. I'm also trying to do it in here with one microphone, and I'm bumping it as I'm playing. So if you had a video of this, you'd see, yeah, I can give him a little bit of leeway. For... <laughs> and it is a Friday. and It is a Friday, and, and, you know, he's only been doing it for two weeks. But, yeah. you know, that's... That's better than that. <laughs> Which would have been a week ago. Yeah, yeah. Fortunately, we're two weeks in, so. Well, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate you're your I, uh, bringing that. I will That's work fun. on the Hawaiian-type stuff for, uh, at least Hawaiian holiday-type stuff for maybe Christmas. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. I'm going to put it on the calendar, so.
Be ready. Okay. Well, a St. Louis area, uh, area police officer, they're on the hunt for a brazen brisket bandit accused of stealing smoked and raw slabs of barbecue meat in broad daylight. Imagine that. Uh, the fearless foodie last struck on the 12th of this month uh, at Callier's Catering in uh, Baldwin. As security footage showed him coming out of the uh, business, uh, the walk-in cooler with raw beef. And apparently this is a... Um, This is a problem that they're having. The Salt and Smoke restaurant also has been hit twice where meat has been extracted. In an incident on the 6th of this month, a worker at the restaurant said he spotted a man standing between two smokers. And when uh, he approached the man, he claimed he was trying to warm up and scurried off. But apparently he returned uh, with um, intent on taking meat And it's not the first time the criminal has had a craving for brisket. Police in San Antonio uh, arrested a man accused of stealing beef from a restaurant after a wild chase involving, well, guns, a burning home, drugs, and two carjackings. So uh, meat is big uh, crime business, apparently, in this uh, community in St. Louis. But then there's this. A prominent Orthodox rabbi in Israel said that uh, meat from a genetically cloned pig would be kosher for consumption by Jews, including when eaten with dairy products, which kosher, you never eat meat with milk. I'm not sure I would go for the, <laughs> for the prominent Orthodox rabbi's recommendation. Rabbi Yuval Sherlo uh, told Ynet uh, in an interview published on Wednesday that cloned meat is not subject to the rules that apply to the consumption of regular meat. Uh, Sherlo, I mean, you're not supposed to eat pork under any circumstance, yeah. but now uh, he's suggesting that you can along with milk, which you're also not supposed to ever eat with milk. Sherlaw is quoted as saying that cloned meat produced from a pig shall not be defined as prohibited for consumption, including with milk. Hmm. In an interview, uh, he, uh, his rabbinical organization appears to be uh, talking about meat that is grown artificially in a laboratory from the cells of a pig rather than meat produced from a live pig whose genetic material comes from a cell for which the pig is cloned. However, the article does not quote him as making that distinction. Wow. I don't know. I think if I'm orthodox, I'm probably just going to stick with what, you know, the scriptures say. Um, in an interview ahead of the Bar Ilim University Symposium titled Science and Halacha, uh, featuring a talk from this rabbi, he advocated rabbinic approval of cloned meat so that people would not starve to prevent pollution and to avoid the suffering of animals. Well, that all may be true, but technically it's still pork. When the cell of a pig is used and its genetic material is utilized in the production of food, the cells, in fact, loses its original identity and therefore cannot be defined as forbidden for consumption, he said. It wouldn't even be meat, so you can consume it with dairy. So... <laughs> You can have that's a, um, that's an interesting one. It's there. very interesting. Kosher yeah. pork and uh, hot dogs or sandwiches. Yes. Hmm. What a world we live in. <laughs> hey, you're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll no, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back. Something like that. Not a back, and we'll be break. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on ninety three point nine KPDQ. Hey, we're back. You're listening to the final segment. Of the Georgine Rice Show. Well, today seems like it's been an exhausting day. I spent a couple of hours at a movie. How exhausting could that be? But emotionally, I found it a bit draining to follow the life of Paul and all of the events that are depicted in the film. Um, like I said earlier, I, I was very emotional during um, certain elements of it. Um, and hope you have the chance to, to see it. Also, there's been a lot going on in the country today. We know that uh, there was a budget pass. There was a lot of back and forth on that and the 
the future of the republic is uh, something that certainly occupies our concerns and thinking. And I'm grateful that we have been invited by the king himself to approach the throne of grace and to pray for those who are in positions of authority. It may not seem like that big a deal because, well, we know that that's the case. But when you think about it, you and I would not be welcomed into the White House if we were to you know, simply show up. We would not be welcomed to address the House or the Senate if we uh, arrive there saying, you know, I'd, I'd like to make a statement. I'd like to, you know, say a few things to my senators and uh, my senator rather and uh, the House of Representatives. We would not be welcomed to do that. And yet you and I have been given carte blanche through Jesus Christ to appro- approach the throne of grace, the throne of God to make our petitions known. And not only that, but he says that he would meet us there and that he would speak to us through his word and and to our hearts and give us direction and give us peace and give us the fruit of the spirit. So it's an incredible thing when I look at what's going on in the world. And then I consider the movie that I saw earlier today. Um, I, I feel emotional just generally about it all because we have been given a tremendous Uh, privilege. And I hope we not only appreciate that, but take full advantage to take our concerns, our worries, our outrage, our anger, our frustration, all of those things to the throne of grace where we have been welcomed through Jesus Christ and uh, make our petitions known as well as um, listen intently in order that we might obey more fully. So uh, as we anticipate the start of Holy Week with uh, Palm Sunday coming up uh, this Sunday, it's going to be a great week. Uh, And I hope uh, all of us uh, avail ourselves of the many opportunities to gather together with other believers in community. I know there are Palm Sunday services going on around uh, around town on Monday, Thursday. There are going to be opportunities for people to gather together and consider the events of Holy Week and the Passion of the Christ. There's Good Friday. There's the breakfast that come that's coming up next Friday morning, and uh, lots of Good Friday services on Friday afternoon and Friday evening. And then, of course, there's Resurrection Sunday, where it's just oh, you take the the great sigh of relief, not just because you know that Christ has risen, but what that means for us, that the weight and slavery of sin has been lifted and we are free from that burden, that bondage, and we can celebrate the life of Christ and the promises that he's made to us that his Holy Spirit would come. He would open his word for us so we would understand that he would uh, bear fruit in us that would remain love, joy, peace, the fruit of the spirit. I mean, this is a this is a big deal. I was at Fred Meyer. Um, I think it was Fred Meyer just the other day, and I was walking through for something else. But I walked through the seasonal section and I saw all the bunnies and the eggs and everything. And I I was almost in tears because I thought, you know, those are fun things for spring. And I I decorate my home for every season and I'm going to do that uh, for this spring as well. But it occurred to me that the enemy thinks he has triumphed over us by distracting us into thinking that this is all Easter is about. You make a really good meal. You have pastel colors and uh, chocolate bunnies. When you think about this is the uh, the biggest event in all of human history. Now, certainly the birth of Christ rivals this event. But when you think about the faithfulness of Christ accomplishing what uh, he came to do what the Father sent him to do, um, rising from the dead and sending the Holy Spirit. This is huge, as uh, our president was. This is hu- this is, there's nothing else in human history that rivals this. And yet so many of our neighbors have reduced this down to a couple of plastic eggs in the backyard. Now, I'm going to do a, an Easter egg hunt in the backyard of my house for my little uh, niece and nephew. They're four and two. 
Um, but they're going to also know, and that's the major thrust of the day, is what God has done for us. So anyway, I just, um, I just feel so full and uh, moved, and I hope that uh, all of us will take in this, uh, this holy week and drink in everything that we possibly can so that we are uh, sufficiently grateful and prepared to move into the days following Holy Week uh, as obedient servants of Christ, willing to set aside our own preferences, uh, willing to extend grace and mercy to people who don't deserve it because we have received grace and mercy and we don't deserve it, that we would extend kindness and generosity toward others because we have been the recipients of generosity and kindness we did not deserve, and that we would trust God with the things that concern us most. Um, I have no idea what's happening in this country. I don't know where, where we're headed. I don't know what's going to happen next. God knows, and I've entrusted my life to him, and I've entrusted my fears to him, and I'm going to trust him to, uh, to do what only he can do, not only in the affairs of men in this country, but the whole world. So I will get off the soapbox right about now. Uh, tomorrow, uh, I should say Monday on the program, because I don't intend to be here tomorrow, and I have it on good authority that Clark will not be here either. But on Monday, uh, Todd Nettleton will be my guest. He's the contributor to the book, Wormbrand, Tortured for Christ, The Complete Story. Now, some of us are familiar with uh, the story um, of, of the experience of this persecuted believer, but this is the complete story. And of course, there's a movie that also tells that story. And I'm not sure where that stands now. And I'm not sure if it's going to be in theaters or uh, just on DVDs, but this is a story worth knowing. Um, as I mentioned, the movie we saw earlier today focuses a bright light on persecuted believers in the early church. Uh, it, it caused me to think uh, more about persecuted believers in our present uh, time. Uh, but this is a book uh, that tells the complete story of uh, one who was tortured for Christ. And Todd Nettleton, who contributes to that, will join us to talk about it on Monday. On Tuesday, Mo Isom will be my guest. And while the title of the book may sound somewhat provocative, it is, I assure you, one that is uh, worthy of our time and attention. And as we discuss it, it's going to be appropriately uh, discussed in the context of Scripture. The book is titled Sex, Jesus, and the Conversations, the Church for God. Now, what this book is about is not uh, relationships between men and women. It's about what the scripture has to say about sex, also known today as gender, uh, whether or not this is, uh, means anything to Jesus, and the conversations that the church forgot really put some of the blame on the, the body of Christ for failing to clarify these issues sufficiently. So we're going to talk with Mo Isom about that on Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, my guest will be William Martin. The book is titled A Prophet with Honor, the Billy Graham story. It's a very large volume that was released before his death, but seems altogether appropriate uh, to review as we anticipate um, uh, the, sort of the closing of the chapter of his contribution to the body of Christ uh, in this generation. So that will be on Wednesday. I'm going to enjoy Monday, Thursday and Good Friday away from uh, the mic, but we will have programming appropriate to the occasion. So I hope you'll uh, listen in if you're looking for uh, programming that will reflect um, what many of us will be focused on on Thursday and Friday as we anticipate uh, Resurrection Sunday during Holy Week 
next week. A couple of things I want to mention before we sign off for today. Our school tuition discounts are still in full sway. A Christian education for your child is perhaps more possible than you thought. We want to encourage KPDQ listeners that uh, you can save up to 40% on Christian school tuition at listenersavings.com. Many of our uh, certificates have already gone, but there are still some left, and I would encourage you to check out which schools are still offering discounts of up to 40%, and you can do that at listenersavings.com. And uh, if you've been thinking about traveling to Israel, a reminder is that uh, you can experience Israel with the teaching pastor Tony Evans, his wife Lois, uh, their son Anthony Evans, along with Meredith uh, Meredith Andrews, are going to be providing some um, music on that trip. But it's going to be a trip of a lifetime, and you can find out more at kpdq.com to book your journey to Israel today. It's a trip I hope every believer that has the desire will have the opportunity to do before uh, Life draws to a close. And then on Saturday night at Vancouver First Church of God, the Booth Brothers are going to be uh, performing. And uh, you can go to kpdq.com for more information on tickets for the Southern Gospel Music of the Booth Brothers this Saturday night. um, Let's see, 5 o'clock at Vancouver Church of God. All right. want to thank Clark Hilton for engineering today's program, James Blend for producing and for offering a review of the uh, wonderful movie, Paul, Servant of Christ. And uh, thank you for making the Georgine Rice Show part of your day. Have a great weekend and a wonderful Palm Sunday. Thanks for listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at G. Rice Show and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.